it's so fun to watch you guys greet each other. I know that sounds weird, but um, I think a room with uh, connection and some joy in it, uh, it's just pretty fun to watch. Guys, how are you? Good. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, worship was phenomenal. Hey, eh? eh? so Canadian. It's like that kind of worship that you like sweat in. And I was like, I have to go up on stage and look fabulous. So I was trying to tone it down a little bit. But um, listen, I'm excited for today. My name uh, is Natalie. Um, I'm on staff here. I do connections things and communication things. So if you want to communicate or get connected, I'm your girl. Um, come see me after service, really. I mean, whatever that means to you. I'd love to serve you today. So uh, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? I was going to do it until I felt like everyone was answering, but I'll let you off the hook. Um, I'm excited to be here. I love the chance to get to share um, with family because that's what we are, right? Even if this is your first couple of times here, maybe this is the first time you've walked into this building, um, we just want you to feel welcome and at home here. I know that I'm up on stage, and that's not generally how a conversation works, uh, but I want you to feel um, like you're part of something, not like you're spectating, okay? So if you look at me with glazed eyes, it will not go well, okay? Everyone, shake your head. Say, we are with you. Give your neighbor a high five. Oh, something's sounding real crisp. One of them's sounding real crisp. Uh, I'm excited to be able to share. We've been in this series called uh, Verbatim, and you've heard from a lot of different voices, and we've been talking uh, specifically about what? The Lord's Prayer. Uh, and I think that we've had uh, some uh, fun in this series. It's been cool to hear different perspectives. And I'm going to kind of talk about um, the, the guys a little bit later. But for now, it's girl time. So we're going to save them for later. But uh, I am real excited to be able to share from that same uh, piece of scripture this evening. And so I'm going to start by reading this to you. Um, this is in Matthew chapter 6, we know. And I know that you've heard this for quite a few weekends in a row, so don't tune out, okay? If we've learned anything over this uh, sermon series, we've learned that the Word of God is alive, and no matter how many times we hear the same thing, there's always something new to learn, right? And so this might be your night that God highlights something to you that is transformational in your life, Okay? So sometimes we have the tendency, worship is great, and we love to be energetic, and then we get to the message part, and we sit down, and our body's like, it's time to relax, and sometimes we tune out a little bit, but I want you uh, to hear this word maybe for the first time with fresh ears this evening. And so Matthew 6 uh, says, pray like this, and we know who's talking to us, right? Jesus. He says, just in case you didn't know. Uh, it says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Isn't that good? So God 
as Father, our Father, the prayer starts. Immediately, Jesus establishes nearness with us and God. God is vast. God is creator. There is much in that name. We know that there are many names that God is referred to in the Bible. But in this particular instance, in this particular prayer, God as Father, relational. God is where? In heaven. Y'all, you're tuning in on me already. I've got like four of you. God is where? In heaven. So we know exactly where God is, and yet he is with us, right? God is holy. That one of the priorities of our uh, existence here is to understand God's holiness, to be in awe of it, and to make efforts to keep him that way in our life. We do not add to God's holiness. He is holy no matter what, right? But the way that we operate and the way that we love him helps us to understand his holiness. The kingdom of God is coming. Most of us read that line like we are asking for God's kingdom to come, but this is a promise. This is a declaration. And in most translations, if you go back to the original text, it is just that. Your kingdom has come, is coming. There's lots of different tenses there. And so in this prayer, we are making a declaration of the kingdom of God. The will of God is paramount, right? It says in this prayer, we desire connection with the bread of life. And although we usually read this line as provision, that we want uh, our daily bread, we want to be sustained, what comes to mind for me is the feasting table, is the communion table, is when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And so when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we aren't just asking for God to fill our stomachs. We're asking for communal existence with Jesus. We're asking uh, for him to sustain us. Sin is real, but doesn't have to form our reality. I was reading about that line uh, in a few different commentaries, and as it goes on to talk about um, forgiveness, that forgiveness of myself and forgiveness of others is freedom, essentially. It is freedom from the turmoil that can happen when we don't forgive, when we aren't uh, feeling forgiven. And in that whole thing is encapsulated this idea of divorce, that when we are forgiven, God separates us from sin, that it has no hold on our life. Our humanity is vulnerable to temptation, but God is not the tempter. Nothing bad comes from the hand of God. Are there trials? Yes. Is there sorrow? Absolutely. Is there hard stuff? Definitely. But only good comes from the hand of God, right? Evil exists, but we can find safety and wisdom in God from that which is confusing and heartbreaking. That when we take one look around our world and in the history of our world, in the history of humanity, we know that evil exists. We've seen it, right? But we understand 
that sometimes we don't understand why that is, but that there's an eternal current running through this world that from the very first moment God created, he has always been moving us towards restoration. And so though we have to deal with the idea of evil and that we're working through it, it is not the end of the story. Amen? And so this is the way that I've been kind of working through the Lord's Prayer. I've taken it upon myself to expand the words, to conceptualize it with God. When you spend enough time in the Word, you learn enough to speak a new language with God, to not just read words on a page, but to learn it in your own context, to hear more from God than is just on the page. And so I encourage you to do the same. So what do we know about the Lord's Prayer? Well, quite a bit, because we've been learning about it for a few weeks, right? I'm sure you're almost like ready to move on at this point. We know that a disciple asked Jesus how to teach him. He asked Jesus to teach him how to pray. And so Jesus obliges, as he usually does, and he says, sure. And then we get the Lord's Prayer. And I think, as I've been thinking about this over the weeks and how I was going to try and teach on this, I think the more that I thought about that exchange, the more that I'm starting to believe that what Jesus taught us was not a model, but a mission. That often uh, in the Christian faith, we are so obsessed with trying to, to mimic Jesus that we miss the exchange of learning from him. Right? Jesus didn't say, repeat after me. He said, pray like this. He wasn't expecting recitation. He wasn't expecting it to be memorized. He was teaching concepts that are important, that are integral to the mission of Jesus and of the kingdom of God. I think we've all had um, our own uh, dealings with memorization. Does anyone have the same password for 14 different things? Right. So when you, you see those scams and they're like, change your password, and you're like, everything is, you know, spot 23, and now I have to go, because we don't want to have to remember all of the things, so we make it all the same and make ourselves a target for some kind of scan. Um, I have a keyless entry into my house, and when, when I, that first uh, got installed, I forgot it the first like 10 times, and there's no key option. So that was really fun to stand outside. Luckily, it was in the summer, uh, but we all have these things, right, that we need to memorize um, and that we need to hold on to and keep in our mind. And so we often come up with ways uh, to remember it. So I now remember my keyless entry by my two favorite hockey players, which I won't tell you because I don't want you to <laughs> break into my house. I love you all, but it's, it's mine. Um, and I can remember as a kid, I wasn't the strongest student, and so I was forever coming up with like acronyms and songs and like dances, generally in the area of math, uh, to try and remember all of the things that I had to remember. Uh, and in my house growing up in elementary school, we had to play an instrument. It was like the rule, 
my parents were trying to be cultured, I guess. Neither of them play an instrument, mind you. Um, so double standard, parents. That's rude when you do that to your children. Uh, so I chose piano because I just figured it was the easiest um, instrument out there. I didn't want to mess around with strings. Like what Buffy does with a violin, she's like a superhero. I, could, I just, I picked up a violin once and immediately put it down because of the sound that came out of it. Um, and so I can remember in piano, now I hated every second of piano. And my parents were lovely, like they bought a stand-up, um, is that what it's upright? Upright piano? Stand-up? You can tell it really stuck. Um, and we had to practice and there was like, hours that we had to do it and all this kind of stuff and I just had the hardest time with it because I did what I did in school and just tried to memorize the things right every good boy deserves fudge right classic and I would get to my lesson and have all of this stuff memorized and then my teacher would be like try try this and I would have no idea because I didn't have it memorized there, I couldn't r actually read music, but I could like memorize the things and like get my way through. But that's not really how things kind of like flow as a musician. Um, you kind of have to have a working knowledge. So I asked my friend Blair to help me. <laughs> have you been sitting behind that keyboard the whole time? That's really cute. She's crouched back there. I asked my friend Blair uh, to help me out. Now we see Blair on a regular basis um, play the guitar and lead us in worship. And what you may not know just from seeing her in this context is she's a very talented individual. <laughs> not that like you wouldn't get that from hearing her in this context, you're fabulous. But um, from the very first time that I met Blair, she um, came to us by way of a uh, summer internship. Uh, is that she has such great musical knowledge. This uh, isn't someone who just kind of gets her way through music. She loves music. She's a very talented writer. Um, we have a, a co-written song dropping soon this Christmas here at Crosspoint. I just wrote the words. She literally did everything else. I wrote like a quarter of the words. Uh, and so I thought... Um, that I would get Blair to demonstrate musical knowledge, that it's not just enough to understand the scale of treble clef. <laughs> Thanks. Bass. Bass clef. Um, but that music is a little more. Can we make sure that the camera gets on to Blair? I'm going to go stand by her so that we, that actually happens. Do you feel nice and awkward right now? There's so much room up here for activities. Um, all right. So what I want to demonstrate, um, I can remember there was one evening here, uh, no, during the day, that we were in here during lunchtime, and Jamie was walking through the lobby and just shouted a song at her, and she immediately went into it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she is so talented. I'm going to be so famous because I'm friends with her. Uh, so I'm just going to throw songs at her, and she's going to play them for you. So I would love to hear a classic. You may not know this about me, but back in the day, I loved a good boy band. 
Some of you don't even know what that is. Um, dancing, Justin Timberlake, think that. Um, so maybe let's hear a Backstreet Boys song. Um, how about, uh, Fleetwood Mac? Well, we're going down, guys. We're going down, I think. Is that amazing? Just can do that. I could never even dream. Um, maybe I'll take a request from the crowd. Freebird. She's no. It's maybe like. Um, can you do like my wedding? We need like a song within her era. She needs to have heard it. Um. What about some like uh, T-Swift? Oh, so many options. You just go with your heart. That's great. This is also featured on the Hunger Games album in case you would like to purchase it on iTunes this evening. What about an original? An original. She's got her professional in-ears and she can't hear me right now, really. <laughs> Guys, she wrote that all on her own. Blair Weber, everyone. Uh, I texted her at a court, like, I think 3 p.m. and was like, hey, can I make you play guitar on stage? And she was like, sure. Um, so listen, that doesn't happen just by the act of memorization, right? To have music thrown at you, um, to have something requested like that, there has to be a working knowledge, right? A working wisdom and experience that comes with knowing um, something that well. And as I thought more and more about the Lord's Prayer, I thought, I wonder how many times this prayer has been prayed. Think about the history that this prayer has seen in this world. This prayer started as an oral tradition. It's not like Jesus pulled out his slimline NLT and said, come let me teach you how to pray. He spoke these words. He spoke the divine onto earth and he taught this prayer to his disciples. Isn't that cool? And think about the amount of history, the amount of traditions, the Catholic Church, uh, world leaders who have spoken this on a stage uh, much grander than this, no offense, um, just the thousands of years this, this thing has traveled. Some of you, um, this is not meant to be an offensive statement, are old enough that you prayed this in school, that this is how your day started, right? Maybe. Uh, and I just think 
it's interesting that it's survived for so long in its entirety, that it is taught many people who don't even uh, have a faith tradition, they don't walk into uh, a place of worship on the weekend, would probably recognize at least some of these words. And what I think has happened over time, at least what God struck me with uh, this week, is um, that there is much in our Christian faith that we commit to memory, that we get into this place where we think memorization is really important, that if we know it, we say in our heart, then it's with us forever. So I want you, just for a second, I just mentioned this, but I want you to think about the fact that when asked to be taught to pray, Jesus spoke these words. Now imagine being one of those disciples who was standing, uh, standing there and receiving this word from Jesus. Jesus spoke these words into our world. We would not have this prayer if it was not for Jesus. That when you speak these words, you are literally speaking what Jesus taught. Think about that truth for a minute. That's pretty cool that you get to throw a line all the way back to history and be connected to that moment of those disciples learning. I think it's really interesting that we call this the Lord's Prayer because really it's the disciples' prayer. Not the Christian's prayer, not someone who just holds a belief and wants to protect it, but someone who is trying and seeking out to live a life that is colored by these words, right? There's a reason why these concepts were taught, and it was not to be memorized and spoken perfectly. Sometimes when Jesus speaks something, we have hold it in such um, a paramount uh, area that we forget to engage with it, that we put it all the way up here because it's so important. And hear me when I say I'm not disagreeing with that, but that doesn't mean that we don't get to interact with it. That part of the gift of this book is that it's real. And it is our job, it is our calling, if we are disciples of Christ, to engage with it. Not memorize it just so that we know it. Knowledge is a fool's game. Wisdom is what Jesus asks of us. Wisdom. And how do you get wisdom? Experience. Which means you need to be experiencing this word. I don't know how many I've heard, uh, how many people that I've heard comment, you know, I've heard the Lord's Prayer, I've said the Lord's Prayer hundreds of times in my life, but I've never actually thought about it. It's just something that kind of existed for me. I've never actually sat down and thought about the gravity of the statements that Jesus is making. Isn't that funny? I don't want to be discouraging by saying that or rude, but I just think it's interesting that there are certain things that we want to know so that we know, but we don't understand. We don't engage with it. We don't do uh, the work of a disciple and enter the learning process. Interesting, right? We must engage in this word for ourselves. 
It is great to do what you're doing right now, to come into a community and to learn from someone uh, who is teaching. But there is nothing that can replace your perspective. It's like a fingerprint, and it's needed. I'm needed just as much as Mark's needed, just as much as Emily's needed, just as much as Alex is needed. Our perspective is ours to hold and to display. You have the expression of eternity placed in you. You are a bearer of the image of God, and no one can display it the way that you can. And so it is not a duty to pray and to read this. It's a gift that you are the only one who can see it through your eyes. And so we need you. We need you to do that. Not just to learn it, to know it, and check the box off, but to engage in it and to see it the way that God is asking you to see it. The next thing uh, that I want to talk about is, um, and God kind of brought this statement to my head this week. He said, what is spoken powerfully in private can be worked out wonderfully in proximity. What is spoken powerfully in private can be worked out wonderfully in proximity. I think that um, we often get caught trying to figure out the best way how to pray. And often that's because we compare ourselves to examples we see around us. I've talked many times before up here about the fact that I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I really try to be. And I kind of used to be, but it just left. Like I feel like when I turned 30, my body was like, nope. Like, we're not doing that. So I can do it. I can get up and be on time for things, but, like, not in, like, a functioning capacity. Like, I'm not the one who gets to work and is like, let's go, all the ideas, throw them at me. I'm like, that emoji on your phone, like, please, just give me enough time to get a, a cup of coffee down. Um, but I used to think, because there are people in the world who are insane and get up when... You should not. And they pray, and they, t and they read their Bible. Some of you in here, I won't ask you to raise your hand um, because we don't want to reward you for such behavior. But you do this, and like you don't have a human asking you to get up. Like you choose to do this on your own, and you're happy about it. It's very confusing for people who are not that way. And I used to judge myself so harshly that I just not only can I not do it? Like, I just don't want to. And you know what? I don't think God really wants to see me at like 5, 6 a.m. I just don't think he does. I mean, some of you are better off uh, being the first ones to kind of greet him in the morning. And we get so into this. Like, I got to journal my prayers. I got to get on my knees. I, it's not authentic enough. It's too wordy. It's not wordy enough. It's not long enough. It's not early enough. All of these things when really it is literally connection with God. There is no wrong way to pray. There is no wrong thing to say in prayer. It is supposed to be a conversation. I don't understand why prayer works exactly, but it is powerful to talk to God about you, about how you're feeling. There are times where my prayer starts with, 
I'm real angry right now, right? They don't always start cheery because I learned long ago that he really already knows. And to some degree, it's kind of rude not to be honest. So maybe just say it. Say that it's not great. Um, so we've got to understand that this personal kind of prayer life, um, while that's all well and good, we get so fascinated with and so into it that we forget it's not just about us. That how you talk to God and what you talk to God about should not just be about you. Right? If it stops there, you are kind of doing it wrong. Is that okay to say? It kind of needs to go a little bit further. But we have this idea that I, well, I, I just can't, I don't have the space right now in my life to do that just yet. I just need this one thing to just work out, just come through, and then I'll be much more focused. My prayers will be far more holy. I'll really be able to shift some things on this earth. And it sounds funny to hear a human say that out loud, but that's literally what some of us do. We count ourselves out of being part of something that is so integral. As I was kind of reading through uh, the prayer and trying to, you know, there's beautiful themes in there of kingdom and of forgiveness. And I really wanted to get up here and preach on one of those things, but the words that God kept bringing to me was our and us and we. Do you notice that there's not once in this prayer where we are praying for something personal? Did you notice that before? It's all plural. It's all external. Which is really interesting that one disciple asked to learn how to pray and Jesus responds with a prayer that is group-related, that is family verbiage, that is community-centered. Interesting, right? And we know that Jesus is not a one-dimensional teacher, that there is intentionality to what he is trying to teach his people because he knows that he's leaving soon. And he knows in their humanity that they're probably going to freak out a little bit, even though he's trying to prepare them. And so the best way to prepare is not to expect someone to do it alone, is to have people to know how to talk to each other, to know the things that Jesus cares the most about. And really, it's an umbrella prayer. Everything can kind of slot into this prayer in some way or another that we're going to think about or go through in our life. These are big themes, you know, kingdom and forgiveness and evil and all of these big things. Um, we can kind of fit everything in there. And really, if you boil it all down, if we just cried out, Father, we would be saying the whole thing anyway. It's not about being wordy. And so there's something to those words, those little words in the verse, in the verses that demonstrate group, which I think is just really interesting that in a prayer that we pray as a personal prayer is really Jesus teaching us about intercession, about caring enough about our neighbor 
that we wouldn't prioritize our own self first, that we wouldn't look after our own self first, that we are taught the very first word is our. And what's interesting about that is that right off the bat, Jesus is saying how you think about God, how you conceptualize God is not it. There is no rightness here. If I'm having coffee with Emily and Alex, give everyone a wave. <laughs> uh, our father takes on a certain meaning because of them, because of how they experience God. It's not about me being right and getting them on my side. I learn about God when I'm around other people and when I talk about the things I think about. And sometimes we've, I think we've lost the art of knowing how to just conversate and not be defensive and not try to prove something about God. This prayer is not about rightness. This prayer is about us-ness. It's about community. Jesus knew that when he left, these disciples would need each other, that they would need to forgive each other, that th some of them would go through experiences that would require help, that some of them would try to be right about kingdom, about evil, about these concepts, and they needed each other to be centered. We often, when we're praying, pray at God, like it's a conversation. And sometimes I wonder if we have this prayer because it centers us, that when we're praying and we're trying to fix everything, and we're believing in ourselves, not that that's a bad thing, but eventually we're going to need the help of God. And so maybe the point is to pray centered in this prayer and not be praying this prayer at the problems. That we're afraid to get a little muddy and to get into the mess a little bit with other people because what about us? There's a reason that we ask for our daily bread. And that when we talk about forgiveness, it's not just about me. We're talking about humanity. And that we can't do it alone, in isolation. Does that make sense? And so I'm not really sure what uh, this series has meant for you. I don't think that we've ever done a series that has given this much space for voice to speak into something. We're pretty lucky uh, and blessed to have uh, the main teacher that we do. Um, but I think that it's been a, a cool learning exercise to understand that we all hear from God. We all have perspective and experience. So here's a little bit uh, what I've learned. And the band is going to kind of come. I want to give us a little room at the end um, of service. And so the band is going to come, but here's what I've learned in this service. Pastor Jamie talked about, uh, when he started the series, uh, was transparent, remember, and talked about his prayer life and how he was trying to do it better, essentially, and had to learn uh, that it needed to look a certain way for him. Um, to kind of get restarted uh, in his connection time 
with God. And so he start, started journaling his prayers. Now, Jamie and I share a wall. <laughs> We're right next door to each other um, off of the nursery, if you ever want to stop by and visit. Um, I hear all of his music with 17 guitars. It's, it's very scintillating um, first thing in the morning. Uh, but he really does. That's why I actually try to get to work a little early, because it's silent, because he's reading uh, the Word of God, and he's journaling his prayers. And what I love most about that service is that he led us through basically an experience of the Lord's Prayer. He read things line for line, gave us space to think about it, to experience it for ourselves, because often we're rushing we're rushing through reading or, or whatever life looks like. So we don't really take the time on our own. And so that was a powerful service. Pastor Dave's message, I think, hit a lot of us square between the eyes. He talked about forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, and what unforgiveness can do in our lives. He said forgiveness is giving up the right to hurt someone for hurting you. Pastor Mark uh, explored the idea of God's will, just a casual and easy uh, topic. He talked about things like declarative will and how hard sometimes we chase after the will of God and how narrow of a path we think it is and that if we make the wrong decision, we're off of the will of God and we got to get back on and it's like this, this narrow winding path. And he presented us with the idea that maybe it's not just um, how you're doing things, uh, but who you are while you're doing them. Talked about maybe a student deciding on a career or a university. Maybe it's not the decision that you need to be making. Maybe you just need to go wherever is cheapest, probably. <laughs> student loans. Uh, and you just need to be a good person while you're there. You need to care about other people, and you need to be a benefit to those around you. Pastor Matt, um, I love when Pastor Matt preaches. He's just so lovely. I wish that you guys could experience Matt on a daily basis. He's hilarious. Um, he talked about, uh, he pulled out the statement from the message translation uh, of this piece of scripture that says, this is your father you're dealing with. Do you remember that? This is your father you're dealing with. We make complex what Jesus wants simplicity for us. And the fact is, we can speak to him. He talked about uh, in Genesis, the creation story, um, when people were hiding because they ate from the tree of knowledge. And for the first time in this world, a human felt shame. That feeling then existed. And how no matter our situation, how we feel about ourselves connection is absolutely necessary no matter how we're feeling and pastor john stole all my ideas last week i literally sat at the back and was like well what am i going to preach on next week uh so naturally john's is my favorite message out of the whole series uh he spoke um, on the fact that prayer is connection that it is important that we connect with God. He told personal stories of, of a time when prayer uh, didn't go the way he thought it would. He had an expectation and a confidence that his prayer would, would turn out a certain way, and it didn't. But God is still good, 
And, and when we pray, we are saying, this is better in your hands than in mine. Was that a good sermon? And listen, it was funny as, kind of, as people tried to um, figure out the schedule and it was mentioned a few times from stage that uh, I was going to be the last one to preach and what a lot of people said to me was like, ooh, I would hate to be you. Good luck. And I kind of echoed the same sentiment. But I, I don't think this series is just about creativity and trying to be different because that just kind of happened naturally, interestingly enough, because we're very different people uh, who have had very different experiences. But I think what, for me, what this has done for our community has hopefully encouraged you that God's voice is alive and well. That he is speaking into this community things that are, are beautiful and for some of us are new and are fresh. And so it's not about us trying to be different or in some funny way trying to display to you staff personalities or whatever. Just be encouraged that God is speaking, that this series is evidence of the fact that in the same few words that we find in scripture, we all saw it differently. We all preached it differently. Isn't that interesting? And I was thinking about this today and I'm quite sure uh, we could continue on in this for a while, that we could keep going. And then I think there would be a new thought every single week because we live. We progress towards restoration with Jesus. We continue on this road. We learn something new every single day because we encounter one another. We encounter these themes of, of kingdom and forgiveness and all of this good stuff. And so, of course, it would be different. And so I, I want you to understand um, that God is speaking to you. And it's really important that you know that truth in your life because I think there are some people in our community who are quite convinced he's not or they don't like what he's saying. And I am here to tell you the truth today that God is literally fascinated by you. He would not have created you if he didn't want to see you operating in this time and space. And so, of course, he wants to talk to you. He knows you. And he wants to uh, have experiences with you as you move through this world. And so I'm going to leave you with this question, uh, and we're going to worship a little bit more. Imagine, for some of you, this is like the biggest fear in your life, <laughs> if you were asked to preach as part of this sermon series. You get the call, a pastor is sick, like we need you. Think about this prayer and the words within this prayer. What would you say? If you're going to read this scripture, you're going to think about it, what would you say? What do you think God is revealing to you? Because we need you in this community. We need your voice. Some of you are convinced that you can't serve. Some of you are convinced that you can't lead a small group. Some of you are convinced that no one notices you while you're here, and that is just so untrue. 
You are part of this community for a reason, and you are communing with Jesus in this life for a reason. Not because this is just how you grew up and this is what you're going to do, or this seems like a fun idea. There is a reason for all of this. You are the only one who can express the divine through how God has created you. You are not meant to be in isolation. He is our Father, and He is speaking to you. Amen? So I'm going to pray for us uh, now. We're going to sing. God, we just thank you for your voice. We thank you, Father God, that you are speaking to each and every person in this room. And I don't know what you're speaking. Maybe it has nothing to do with this topic tonight, God. But I pray that we would have the boldness to realize and understand that you fully love us. You fully see us. And God, we are here for a reason, not just to survive, but to thrive. And so I just ask God in this time and in this space, in these next few moments, that each of, in the, each of us in this room would have the courage to step up to you, to trust you at your word, not our will, but yours be done here in this place tonight. God, we love you so much. Amen.